This is your favorite artist's favorite artist, where we explore the influences of well-known creatives. I'm Joe. We got Sophie here. We also got Jake with us today. Hi, Jake. What's up? College friends. Well, let's go ahead and get started. We're talking about Marina Abramovich today. I have a crush on her. <laughs> <laughs> Marina Abramovich, she was born in Yugoslavia, November 30th, 1946. And she lives and works in New York City. Yeah, she's a performance artist. She became especially popular through, I guess, the documentary, The Artist is Present. That's how I found out about her. I was a teenager, and I watched the documentary on Netflix. What's that one show with uh, the, the documentary now? Yeah. There's, a, there's this comedy spoof about, about that. About the artist is present. Fred Armstein, is he the... Yeah, Fred Armiston. I don't know. Oh, I haven't seen it. Have you seen it, Jake? Yeah, it's good. Or it just makes fun of documentaries. Yeah. And they did one where it makes fun of Marina. Yeah, and she's easy to make fun of, frankly. Her work is, like, uh, it's very self-serious in some ways. As opposed to, like, maybe a lot of the other artists who we're going to discuss in this podcast where... Their work is easy to make fun of or see humor in it, but it seems like it's intentional, as opposed to Marina's, where it seems like it's supposed to be taken quite seriously. One time she uh, said, To be a performance artist, you have to hate theater. Theater is fake. The knife is not real, the blood is not real, and the emotions are not real. Performance is just the opposite. The knife is real, the blood is real, and the emotions are real. Yeah, that's interesting. She sees kind of like theater as like a, a image of something like a portrayal of something almost like a painting as opposed to a sculpture where it's actual like an actual three-dimensional object which represents itself she attended the academy of fine arts in belgrade 1965 to 1970 and then the academy of fine arts in yugoslavia 1970 to 1972 and then she received an honorary doctorate from the art institute of chicago in 2004 first heard about Marina Bromovich in 2016, the, the classic Pizzagate fable name drop, the, the, the spirit cooking, which is like... Oh, yeah. So that was, it was like fun to, to look into that. And then I thought that was super weird. And, and uh, we'll probably go more into that later, right? But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, we'll, we'll definitely that, go but... into that because I don't understand much about it. So yeah. you'll, you'll have to enlighten us. But I saw the video of her painting a mixture of pea poop, blood, and semen on a statue of Moloch in a corner. And I was like, oh, what, what's this? This is really weird. <laughs> and, um, and yeah, it was really creepy. And then you wanted to, you, so when you showed me the documentary, the art, and I saw the artist's present and I loved it. It was fun to see, like, a, more of like a, a like a, like it paints her character. You, you think of her in a really certain way when you watch the documentary. Yeah. Yeah, she started out maybe as a lot of artists do, performance artists, where their intention is to shock in a lot of ways mm -hmm. using, like, actual pagan um, imagery, like pentagrams and whatnot. Her parents are pretty significant too, right? I don't know about She talks parents. about her parents all the time. She talks about how her parents are heroes. They were, like, communist heroes <laughs> in their country. But I remember... That also makes sense why, I don't know, the way she rubs shoulders with politicians and celebrities today is, is like, I wonder if she's, that's what her parents would do today in that same position. It's interesting. Yeah, use influence, yeah. I guess. Yeah. 
Let's talk about uh, whatever this Pizzagate thing is. And like, what does she have to do with it? There were the, the emails that were leaked, right? And then in those, there were just invitations to the spirit cooking parties. So emails that were leaked. Like, so, no one, I don't think most people know about Pizzagate, especially people who listen the, to our podcast. Yeah, and, it, and it's like, the thing is, like, where the, the pizza part comes from is that's like the, that's like the fable of, like, there is a, I don't remember, is a pizza parlor in D.C. that supposedly had, like, a sex dungeon underground, and that's what kind of made it, uh, so, like, a, a conspiratorial, you know, uh-huh. is, is that, is that part, because... Because the thing is, there are all these weird connections, the, the, not connections, there's weird, like, ways that the word pizza is used. Like, did you, have you ate that pizza from last year yet? Or, like, the way it's, it's, like, a code for something, but we don't know what it is. But there's, like, pizza, and then there are other things, like, like handkerchiefs. They're, they're just referenced in a way that me and you wouldn't, wouldn't use. So that was, like, oh, must be, you know, assuming the worst. <laughs> But, you know, it was in, in today's, like, context, I think it's, it, it, it was kind of just, like, a fun thing to go down. But uh, there were, like, the actual names that were involved that were legit were, you know, Epstein, Abramovich was one. I'm trying to think of other people that were involved that were just in the um, kind of names that were dropped around in, in those conversations. As far as I understand, spirit cooking is, like, a modern rendition of... Cake of Light, which was founded by Alistair Crowley. Alistair yeah. Crowley, and he's kind of where spirit cooking originated from. But he was born in, in October on October twelfth in eighteen seventy five in England, uh-huh. and died in nineteen forty seven. He was practitioner of magic, spelled M A G I C K, and called himself the Beast Six Six Six. He got the Beast nickname from his own mother because he Whoa. would, in Sunday school, he would, like, point out the inconsistencies in the teachings of the Bible. He would just defy all Christian morals, and he made it very well known he was doing these things, and so his mom uh, gave him the nickname Beast. He founded the religion of Thelema. I don't know too much about it. It's spelled T-H-E-L-E-M-A. Uh-huh. And he was just like a super controversial member of a bunch of different like orders. That was back a while before. Yeah, she's clearly Marina. referencing uh, Crowley a lot. Or maybe her and Crowley are referencing something else a lot. I don't know what that would be besides just ancient pagan ritual and like, you know, satanic ritual, all kinds of things like that. Yeah. Well, they would have the cake of light wafers. Contacting aliens. Yeah, the cake of light wafers had honey, oil, menstrual blood, and sperm in it. That's disgusting. Yeah, it's super disgusting. So, but that's where that's where Marina. Well, what was what would be the point of that? Is it like a like a sacrament type of thing? It's just a ritual. Hmm, weird. Well, I don't it's think it's like con- you know connecting connecting with the divine <laughs> to and, meet together. Yeah. What's other the image of? It's like you have people that you see in your favorite movies, and they're they're all sitting around. It's one of her parties. It's a naked body, and they're eating off. Looks like a pool of blood. Gross. And they're eating off their body. <laughs> well, yeah. certainly not normal. That's the point of art, I think. <laughs> and then in spirit cooking, Marina would use pig blood as a medium to connect the spirit world with the material world. And so she would write stuff in with pig's blood. 
it was just a shock. Yeah. <laughs> it was, you know, an occult ceremony. Yeah. Well, I think she was, like, she spent a lot of time, like, for example, there's another documentary about her mm-hmm. where she travels all over, like, South America and goes to Christian churches Mm-hmm. and participates in all of their rituals. It's basically really similar stuff. <laughs> you know, like like uh, people would cut themselves um, and give their blood. People would whip themselves. Mm-hmm. And even Catholic popes, some of them are, have been known to, like, whip themselves. Mm-hmm. You know? Flagellate. Yeah. And it's, like, a, it's, it's funny that, like, we look at it as, like, such a taboo thing. When really sh- she's drawing on pretty timeless traditions. Yeah, I still think it's weird though. Even even. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's yeah. Like, I think most people would think it's yeah. weird. She wrote a cookbook, a spirit cooking cookbook, and it just has little instructions and lines that say things like "spit inside your navel until the lake is filled, lie motionless, listen to the heartbeat of a dog." You're not actually like meant to do these things. It's more just poetry. This work seems... Uh, I feel like this is the deepest and darkest of her work. Uh, yeah. She said, I'm not a therapist. I'm not a spiritual leader. These elements are in the art. It is therapeutic. Spiritual, social, and political. Everything. It has many layers, but art has to have many layers. If it doesn't, then forget it. I see that in her work. I mean, uh, not all of it is easily relatable to the everyday but i mean the idea of like ritual ritual is like so you know connected you know like Mm -hmm. someone would see what marina's doing let's say she's pretending or writing a poem about drinking blood or whatever it may be and it's like obviously if you going back to the catholic church again they when they're partaking of the sacrament they literally think that they're drinking blood not just figuratively like marina's talking about mm-hmm. but you know that's so, that's kind of the thing that on it they believe it transforms in them um i forget i forget the the technical term for it for that you know that transformation but they believe that you know when you drink you know the wine and the and the wafer it, turns, it literally yeah. turns transforms into christ's blood and yeah. flesh yeah it's like uh, people who maybe are from that community let's let's say i run into like talking to a lot of people who are christian who just think all modern art is bullcrap but it's like well you are participating in something that is abstract performance art that you believe will help you connect to to the concept of god better than anything else you could do that's much more straightforward or less uh interpretive or abstract Another thing she said was, in every ancient culture, there are rituals to mortify the body as a way of understanding that the energy of the soul is indestructible. The more I think about energy, the simpler my art becomes because it is just about pure presence. Pure presence. I definitely see that in her work. Obviously, the one, the artist is present. Mm -hmm. But in many of her works, because she herself is in the work, and I believe that she would say that the work is most powerful when you see it live rather than let's say, a documentary or a documentation of her work. Mm-hmm. But she still somehow seems to sell that documentation and she mm-hmm. does well for herself. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, performance art, a lot of it, you know, is about the physical body and the connection with the mind. And one time she said that once you enter into the performance state, you can push your body to do things you absolutely could never normally do. 
And I was thinking about the piece where she stood with like a bowl or a cup of water in her kitchen or in a kitchen. She stood there and she tried to be as still as she could, but after a while, her body just like started to shake. And mm -hmm. so water was like spilling out of the cup she was holding. Yeah, so her work oftentimes has to do with a lot to do with like endurance. So should we just name a couple of, of her m most popular pieces absolutely i think that's a good idea because the real deal is we're we're here to also highlight uh artists who she appreciates or who she takes inspiration from and people already know a lot about marina so we're not going to dwell on it too much so jake is there any like specific pieces of hers that, that you I like all the stuff that she did with that guy i don't remember his name her ex-boyfriend when they the great wall of china mm -hmm. Um, and then the one where they just like smacked their naked bodies into each other. Bonnie, like some of the, the works that she does that I think like, are hilarious. And then either pieces that are just like aesthetically cool. Like, I think I like the idea of they recorded themselves going across this, the Great Wall of China and yeah. they each other. Like, like giving things uh, an importance to like kind of mundane things. Uh, uh, so in, wait to clarify what they do in that piece is one person started at one side of the Great Wall of China. Yeah. And the other started at the other end, and they met in the center. They met in the center and, and embraced. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, and That's then, all the time is the just that like simple bow and arrow. Where I don't know how you describe it. Yeah, yeah. He, she's holding. She's holding the bow, and he's holding the arrow, or vice versa. Yeah. And they they're like leaning back, and they're pulling on the the arrow. If one person were to mess up, especially the person holding the arrow then obviously Dead. the other person would be killed immediately. Mm -hmm. Like there's like such a level of like uh, tension and realness. There's like yeah. a sense of realness to it that makes it more interesting than maybe like a sculpture or like theater or something like that. There's yeah. a realness. There's a sense of like life or death, which is interesting. It's all communicated so easily too. And like, like it was recorded back then. It's just this video that you can go and watch and you're like, oh wow, like, like everything is there. Like, like the, the context. Uh, some of the other stuff is a little more like, uh, not convoluted, but you have to be in a like a level to to enjoy it, and that's the thing. That's where the criticism is with the artist is present. Some of the stuff is just like, I'm sorry, no, <laughs> yeah. But that was something that was so like, e even the stuff that was more, or she just beat the crap out of herself. You're like, okay, well that's, I see, I see it, <laughs> for the layman to, to to see it and like, oh, okay, like you said, like. Some of it's just physical. This is just endurance, and, you know. Mm -hmm. There's more than that. Of course, there's there's like a whole concept behind it, but there's that, like that relatable aspect of like she's doing something really hard, like it's like something physically super hard to do. Yeah, I think some of her inspirations are are just as interesting with their endurance work. Mm -hmm. The artist is present is is obviously her, her I would say her most famous piece, and it's where she sits in a chair, and she is the work of art. She is present at the museum at all times when it, when the museum is open and people were able to come and sit across from her and spend as much time as they wanted just staring at her they were not allowed to speak or do anything but they were just to make eye contact with her and she would just like reset herself after each person she would like close her eyes and wait for the person to leave mm -hmm. and the new person to walk on and sit down so it just made it seem very intentional. Yeah, do you think that has a lot of connections with like mindfulness or like being in the moment or anything yeah, I like think that? So. I could see how that's important 
Um, I mean, she wasn't like listening to music or at the same time or anything. No, but I mean like for yeah. for the viewer, the viewer. Oh. Like for example, when I look, oh, so kind of like external symbol of mindfulness. Yeah, or just like being present. Like for example, if Jake and I, if we were to lock eyes. Only, uh, only <laughs> think, right now. <laughs> yeah, only think about that. That's a special escape into his beautiful blue eyes. <laughs> but um, a glimpse into his soul. Yeah, it's like that's what it's supposed to be. I think it's just like it's supposed to feel personal. It's supposed to feel vulnerable. It's supposed to feel in the moment, exactly in the moment. The only criticism that I have of the work itself is that its power lies in the fame of the artist. But you could say that about a lot of artwork. Yeah, she once said, When Lady Gaga says I'm her inspiration, you reach kids between 12 and 18. Now I'm like a brand. Jeans, Coca-Cola. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's famous now. And yeah. that's the thing Jake was talking about. Jake was talking about how like she has worked a lot with James Franco, for example, and other politicians and people of influence and fame. Jake thinks that's a bit fishy, but personally, I think it just makes sense that if if you are an artist, the way to become successful is to invite people of influence to see your work or participate with your work. The con the context of it makes it weird. <laughs> the, if it's practicing uh, occultic rituals, I wanted to just add on to the the her sitting down. I I do like like the mindfulness aspect, but I totally agree though that because she she is who she is that it's a completely different experience it would be something different if it was them people coming to visit doing it with people who are coming to visit mm. revolves around her is really interesting to me and there's something like just like so like indulgent with her art it's like it's always about her i just think that's weird i think it's interesting that she makes it about herself but that going around that's what makes it occultic to me is, is the it's this it's the self do you think she wants so, to be the center of attention? Do you yeah. think that's... Yeah, absolutely, yeah. I think, <laughs> I think she's made a career. Well, she has to. Here's a chance, you know, when, when what's his name? Um, not Chris Angel. Uh, David Blaine is like, has this idea, and she's so excited, and then the, kind of the her, her art dealers, her, like, these handlers. Yeah. Just totally, like, liberated guys are like, Marina, that's not your brand. And just like that. <laughs> Everything goes, um, and she's like, oh, you're right. That's why I, I think, like, with that scale, and that's the thing with, with a lot of ours, like, when it gets to that scale to me, it's, like, it's something that's interesting to me seeing, scrolling through my phone. It's, it's like, funny, like, any, like, like we were talking about, anybody who pays over X amount of money for any piece of art, you lost. You lost. It's like, but, but I think that there was more than that on that night, though, remember, it was, she, there was that exi exhibit and then meanwhile you're cutting to pieces of uh, more about about i think it has to do with her including including herself in the show that she was doing rooms exhibits that were like her greatest hits they're like reenactments and um yeah she had like assistants like perform her pieces for her yeah and that was just like super weird it's like um like something you other people would do like posthumously here she is doing like yeah we're just gonna have it's just me, you know, and uh, which that's is interesting because, like, with with uh, artists, they'll hire people to help with their paintings, mm -hmm. and so it's fascinating that someone would hire them to like do their performance 
artwork? I think you could take it by itself. That's a piece in itself, is you have somebody perform in your place. Yeah. But I don't feel it as it was that. It was just like a celebration of what she's done. And she can't do it all. <laughs> and the place of it. Like, I don't, I don't feel like that was... Like, I'm not going to be it in this time. That's the catch. Yeah. That, yeah. Would, that would be something interesting. But I feel like... Because she, she still oversaw it. It was like, there's the build of the floor. And they're trying, and we're going to have this here and that here. And she's just like, wow. <laughs> like, look in her eyes. She's like, oh my gosh. Like, this is all me. This is my work. All of the, and that was just like really funny. Yeah, it's see. funny. It's totally true. But like, that's how all artists are. I mean, yeah, it's kind of how all artists are. It's cool to see that like, she could just have someone else do the work and it's still just as valid. And so what's so great about that is that means that like you and your friends could just, you know, get naked and run and slam into each other or like walk across the Great Wall of China or any number of ridiculous things that she's done, you mm -hmm. just do your own bootleg marinas and they should have the same inherent value to them. Mm -hmm. I think that's what's so interesting. Like if you were to have any found object sculpture by any artist, you know, you could say like, oh, well, the only reason that found object is a sculpture is because the artist said it was and that's what gave it the value. But why can't uh, a regular person mm -hmm. select an object, maybe the same object and say that it, it is of the same value? Yeah. I have another quote from Marina. She said, If you're a baker making bread, you're a baker. If you make the best bread in the world, you're not an artist. But if you bake the bread in the gallery, you're an artist. So the context makes the difference. Hmm. Well, that seems a little unfair. Because that means that, like, other things that would be arts aren't art just because they're not in with the right people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I felt that. I felt a lot like that. With like, um, you're only getting a class of people that access this. It was highbrow too in a sense of like this is the art of a different tax bracket and you have to kind of be a part like like in to know like yeah and that kind of that was interesting especially uh, i feel bad if it's just like a critique of the documentary it's kind of all i see but she has uh you know who knows what these people what their parents are paying for them to go to these these art camps but she has all these people <laughs> our age <you> yeah <laughs> go Stay with her, and uh, and going back the the like oh this is the, of of context like 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 that's what like those things just kind of give it context clues, uh, that's what I think it, the documentary is really awesome because you see more than just the art you see all these things you see like all her ex boyfriends yeah what <laughs> <laughs> works just a lot of feelings for her. <laughs> uh, it gives you a different feeling than just than just someone who's who's doing. Um, uh, you really get to criticize like like who's behind it. Uh, it's almost not fair for the artists, that, but but that's kind of what's cool too is that you get to be that close to them and see. There's that there's that it cuts to a girl naked from behind the shoulders and then it turns around and she's crying, <laughs> <laughs> hugging a tree, and uh, it's like it's like you you got fooled, you know, <laughs> just like the people that you know maybe bought or or whatever like. Uh, so to buy a performance piece. In not, your eyes, not, not performance, but but it's maybe I don't know. Like I used to, like a found object or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. Because some of these things, that's like if you're if you're serious, you know, you lost the game. You know, <laughs> like you have to have like a lightheartedness to it. Uh, yeah, I think you, so. you just have to realize that, like that form of artwork was perhaps made as a backlash to commercially viable yeah. artwork. Well, well, like, uh, you know, Damien yeah. Hurst, he has a lot of darker things, but he also has, 
in contrast, a mm-hmm. lot of like lighter, more. No, we were talking about Damien Hirst too. Yeah, and so it's just Hirst. with Marina, she doesn't have a lot of opposition in her style. But it's so detached. What do you mean, like opposition, like as far as like the like she doesn't have stuff? anything that's like funny or uh, yeah. silly. Like it's all all of her stuff is very. Some of her stuff dark. seems to bring joy, though. It's just serious, you know. Yeah. Like a lot of people seem very happy to participate in the artist is present, for example. That's true. But like, I do agree that she is well aware that she is perceived as like this witch, and I think she's okay with that. Yeah. I bet she loves it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she's associated herself with a lot of that. Yeah. So, like, I, I listened to this. chosen that. Yeah, I listened to this other podcast, this, uh, of, like, the Freeze Art Fair. They had a podcast with her, and they asked her what some of her favorite works of art were. And they all basically had to either do with death or witchcraft. Mm-hmm. You know, like, for example, there was, she mentioned that she really liked a lot of the, the black paintings of Goya. Oh, yeah. Which are basically all these, like, really kind of awesome, beautiful, illustrative oil paintings of, like, witches and Satan and stuff like that, which are, like, really cool. You know, I think she likes the the mythology that is built around an artist and its work. Like, for example, that work people always talked about, since it was at the end of Goya's life, they always talked about how Goya was going insane when he was making this type of artwork. Mm. When really he was probably just like this old guy who was just making crazy artwork because, you know, Mm. that's sometimes what happens. And there's also this painting, The Crows in the Field by Van Gogh. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people say like, oh, this was the last painting Van Gogh ever did, which people don't even know that for certain, but that is is the mythology now. That's Mm -hmm. the legend. She says in that work that like that was a foreshadowing of Van Gogh shooting himself and the crows perhaps eating his body in the field. And so like she she really likes these. She mentions all these artworks that have to do with a fake mythology or maybe not a fake mythology, but just a, a legend that is built around the artwork that makes the artwork more than it would have been on its own. Yeah. So yeah, so there's Goya. She really likes Van Gogh as well. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about Chris Burden. Okay. So Chris Burden is one of my favorite artists. I would say out of all these artists, Chris Burden is my favorite. He was born in 1946 in Boston. Mm-hmm. He died in California at the age of 69 in 2015. He earned his MFA in 1971 from the University of California, Irvine. And um. he, he began his performance artwork in the early 1970s. And a lot of his were about danger and dark concepts, too. Yeah, I thought they were funny, though. They were just filled with, like, a lot of energy and peril. Yeah, well, yeah. like, so it's his, his first big piece was the five-day locker piece, which he did at uh, for his master's thesis at the University of California. And he was just locked up in a locker for five days. <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah, people would come and say hi and... He used the restroom in the locker. I forget how he did, but he yeah. never got out. He drank water from a five-gallon bottle stored in the locker above and then urinated into a five-gallon bottle in the locker below. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Like, the logistics of it. <laughs> but yeah, he, he did another piece in school where he just left. He he went off uh, mm-hmm. and was just, like, not at school. Yeah. And people were like, where's Chris? Where's Chris? And that was his work of art. <laughs> and that same year, he did the piece called shoot oh that was the same year wow Mm -hmm. that's my favorite one yeah why is it your favorite 
Yeah, let's talk about what is it. He had his friend stand back like 15 feet. He, he didn't, he didn't, did he want to be grazed by he the bullet? He wanted to be grazed, but it, it pierced him. It went yeah. through instead. But yeah, so he, he basically just was shot. He had someone shoot him, and that was the work of art. Yeah, there's something like, I don't know, you don't need any context to it at all. It's like he wanted to be shot, and I feel like that's kind of a universal feeling. Like, what does it feel like to get punched in the face, to get shot, or what is a car, what's a car accident like? Um, yeah, you mean like, there's well, always going to be a fascination with it? People, yeah, people, people will always want to stop and look at the car accident. Yeah, well, it's no, interesting it's, you say that, because he had another piece called Dead Man in 1972, he lay on the ground with a like a canvas sheet over him and a set of road flares until everyone like walking by, everyone that saw him just assumed he was dead. And then they just called emergency like they services. Yeah, he just <laughs> he just pretended to be dead. Yeah. Well he didn't he didn't specifically ever say he was dead, but it was it was they just had he, a sheet he knew over people him would assume and, he was dead. Yeah. Yeah, but like, let's go back to the the shooting one. Um, yeah, like like you don't need any any context, and I think like I think of like someone who doesn't who does who wouldn't even go to a gallery who who maybe some someone like was there was dragged in. I think they would they would get everything, or at least even if they hated it, that's kind of the they still understand the reason. Like a guy got, he wanted to be sh- he's the curiosity of, like wanting to be shot, so mm-hmm. he set up well. I can do this, and having like and then having putting that in somebody else's hand. I do appreciate, like, there's, like, yeah, like, a weird physical part to it that, uh, like, that's my favorite, I guess, kind of, like, performance art. It's just there that you, you can take, you don't need the context of, like, a super highbrow, like, gallery space, mm-hmm. you know? It's just, like, like this was something that was local, and then, then that's something kind of, kind of, it makes me, the way I think of it is, like, uh, someone in a band in their youth, they do, they're, like, really successful, and then they try to, like, keep going and, and doing it later on and it's not the same anymore it's like you're now on a different realm they're, they're, like you can have the same effect I think of like my favorite guys from like the 80s hardcore scene who tried to beat the dead horse and people that went on and ended up doing bigger and better things that's why I, my criticism is with Marina kind of doing the same stuff uh, like kind of trying to maybe have that same kind of value to it but you can't get that magic. Maybe, and I think too, like, obviously, like, I think she, she took into context how big she was when she did, when she did the artist's present thing. Um, she had to be on her mind, you know, to, in order to have, um, that kind of effect. But, but yeah, that, like, like, going back, that's something that you can, like, you can just record in a video, and, and it was, you know, you could, you could watch it on, on YouTube, and you're like, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, the sh- the shoot one. You know, you got getting shot. It's was like, recorded on a super eight film. Yeah, it lasted eight seconds. It's incredible. It, it's uh, and then like and you the way you described is like as American. Yes, and I totally agree. Like it is very American, and even like and this is the difference too with with like things that like oh like it's like he's blaspheming like the other thing I don't know if, if I'm skipping ahead was him being. Um, being nailed to a car yeah. in a Christ position. He was crucified onto a Volkswagen bug. Yeah, crazy. That <laughs> feel, feels very American in a way, too. It feels American. You but um, I, we kind of talked about this before. Was He went on to other things, though. Like, like he, it wasn't like... A, like I don't feel like that was like an affront to Christianity. or like a, a, Yeah, it yeah. Was, it was almost like, a, like an homage to well, what's American. 
and in his weird like fascination of uh, like just like violence it, it's like yeah we'd be nailed to a car crucified to a car yeah <laughs> i think i think burden said at one time he said that being shot was just as american as like baseball or apple pie or something like he said there's nothing more american than being shot because at the time of course like the, the idea of being in Vietnam was was very conscious mm-hmm. on everyone's mind, very present in everyone's mind. I don't take Chris Burden as seriously as Marina Abramovich because he actually does other like he goes on and does other stuff with his life. After he does all the crazy performance pieces, he does like the public art, urban light. Now, what do you mean taking installation? Oh, absolutely! Like he does like, so in, many works. He that did are... that in two thousand eight, where I he agree. took a whole bunch of street lights mm-hmm. and just set them like probably like what a foot apart from each sure, other. So. And there's like a whole bunch of where did we see that? It's a, in, at the LACMA, Los Angeles. Oh yeah, we saw that one, and then we saw his the little like Hot Wheels cars set up yeah. on that racetrack that just like zoom that around. That was two thousand eleven. Yeah. yeah, we saw that one. And then he has one where it's like all the submarines of the United States of America. He did that one in he did that one in nineteen eighty seven. So he's been doing other stuff besides performance art for a while now. And that's why he's cooler. <laughs> <laughs> With Marina, it's like still toning the pentagram. Yeah, sure. all these years, you know, it's like it's like she still has things to do with like Satan and her like, work, like Satanism and paganism and stuff. It's, it's like the equivalent to me of being into like not growing out of your My Chemical Romance phase, or like, still, <laughs> like wearing your Nightmare Before Christmas hoodie. Yeah, you don't you don't you don't see the type of evolution in her work you would like to you would like to see. Yeah, it would be. It, I, I actually like. I think that would be even more interesting, like of of seeing yeah, a change, but. Like, the most famous photo of her, like, I think is her holding that, like, the goat's Like head. a ram skull, yeah. Ram skull, and she's in red. It's like, wow. Yeah, I think, I think that's just, like, the idea of, like, photographers or, or whatever. People I, are like, this know, is what I really want to see, and this is what the people want to see. I think she likes it, though. I think, I think she's, yeah. like, she's, like... She's, she's all like, for it. I watched... Last so. week, I watched The Witch, that movie. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I love it. And movie. I feel like... I mean, I didn't know we were going to be recording this podcast today, but I feel like it was really great that, that <laughs> well, so I watched The guy that did that is coming out The Lighthouse. That comes out yeah. Next oh, really? Yeah. I love The Witch. Yeah, which it was, was really, really fun. Well, I guess we could talk all about that. But also, Chris Burden did The Atomic Alphabet. Did this you guys see that? This is also a podcast. No. <laughs> no, what is this? He created this alphabet in 1982. A for atomic, B for bomb, C for uh, combat. D for dumb, E for energy. And it looks like these are basically emojis to represent. So you can make an alphabet out of just like images of war, like emojis of like explosions and Hitler. And mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> See, like, yeah, that's like his work. I thought you guys would like that. One. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's definitely like, like nihilist with like a sense of humor. Yeah. It's like definitely right up our alley. Yeah. I think Marina, even though, like, she doesn't make work that's, like, has, like, that same sense of humor to it, like, I think she's just being herself, which is not necessarily, like, some people, when they approach artwork, they have, like, a certain voice and they can't really help it, you know, that's just their voice. Like, even if in Mm -hmm. real life they're funny, warm people, sometimes when you make artwork, it just, it just, it's what you're drawn to. Mm -hmm. Another one of Marina's influences is Tachin... Shia. Yeah, something like that. I've seen several different pronunciations online. But I think he has a nickname of Sam. Yeah, I believe that's true. 
<laughs> According to Wikipedia, I we're gonna we're gonna believe that for the sake of this I podcast. Wrote that so on that Wikipedia we can... before this, <laughs> you guys are making it harder. I did this on purpose, <laughs> so we can say Sam. <laughs> well, let's just say Sam. He, okay, you he can was, tell us about his yeah. Just a little bit of background. He was born December thirty first, nineteen fifty. He was one of fifteen children from southern Taiwan. And one his, of fifteen kids. And yeah. fun fact: his father had five wives. Wow. So he started painting yeah. in high school. <laughs> Don't get any ideas. He started painting in high school and dropped out, and then he completed three years That's of military boring. service in Taiwan. Uh-huh. Then he started performance pieces. He moved to New York City and worked as a dishwasher and a cleaner. Uh-huh. And then he made the bulk of his performance pieces, uh, 1978 to 2000. Wow. His work is definitely... Like, if people think that Marina's work ha- is very physical and endurance-driven, this guy's work is even more so. And he doesn't describe his work as the point of his work being endurance, which is fascinating yeah. because that's what a lot of people would assume his work yeah. is about, but it's really not about that. It's he, about an exploration of, like, just living life. The way he, it's very romantic, the way he describes it. His, his, yes, it's just art. His explanation is... Much more fascinating than the marinas. Sitting him, it's it's more approachable, I think, and um, makes what, you what? feel like anybody can do it in a way. Or he's, mm-hmm. His story is he came from nothing, and he I think too just his like immigrant story mm-hmm. really gives it a totally different voice and context. Whereas you have someone who maybe is doing things because her controlling mother <laughs> won't <laughs> let her. <laughs> you know, like. Uh, it's like, oh, you're gonna like, it's really, you know, this is like that, like that, that story, like self-discovery. I was just, I was working every day and what was I doing? I want to create, I wasn't making art, but I moved here to make art. And then that was the way, that was the thing he chose to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's really interesting. I, I love it. He said some things that go along with his view. Mm-hmm. He said, I'm not trying to make concepts about how to pass time. I'm just basically passing time. So if a person is working hard or lazy or very creative or not creative, it's all about, it's all the same about passing time. He's like, life is a life sentence. Life is passing time. Life is free thinking. Mm -hmm. So that is basically my work from this philosophy. You consume time until you die. Mm -hmm. Life is a life sentence. And his work is passing time. It's not about time. Mm -hmm. I think that's so interesting. So let's get into like what some of his works are. One of his more well-known pieces is called the Jump Jump Piece, 1973, where he flung himself off of window from second floor, like 15 feet high, mm-hmm. uh, onto concrete. Okay. And he broke both his ankles, <laughs> and he took pictures of the piece on his Super 8 camera. It's interesting because it seems like his work is based around his own experience so it doesn't feel like it's so uh like most artwork seems like it is self-expression but his work seems like it is personal exploration Mm -hmm. but i feel like it ends up giving more to people that see it it's like doesn't and it doesn't ask anything um and that's it's like they're like stories to be told too like like I don't, I don't know how you would go and see that performance unless you like, did he, who did he tell that he's going to go do that? But I feel like hearing about it, I don't know, maybe you get what he was trying to say, <laughs> but, yeah. but you know, like the, the point of, um, you know, the, the legend of it, like we were just talking about earlier with, with the, 
with with Marina. It's like there's the art you do, then then being conscious of what's the story that's gonna be told about it, uh-huh. and how is that gonna be shared by word of mouth. And they're both, even though they're they're both performance pieces, they're both shared and talked about a little bit differently. Yeah, it's two sides of a coin. There's the there's the there's the act, and then there's the rumors about the act. Yeah, yeah. There's the stories that are told about the act, and that's how those pieces stay important, mm-hmm. stay valid over time. Mm-hmm. Is is because you know, people talk about them. But let's say people don't talk about them. Let's say no one knew who this guy was. Like, for example, I didn't know who this guy was until I heard Marina reference him. It's kind of crazy that this guy does these such insane things with basically not a lot of reward for it. So I'll go on to talk about a few other works of art that he did. And most of them have to do with passing time, as he says. So yeah. most of his works of art last one year. Um, one of them is called The Cage Piece. And in this performance, which lasted a year... 1978 to 1979. Yeah, the artist locked himself up in like a 9 foot by... I don't know. It was 11.5 by 9 by 8. Yeah, that size of a wooden cage. It All it had was a wash basin, basin lights, a pail, and a single bed. And during that year, he did not allow himself to talk, to read, to write, or to listen to the radio or TV. The only interaction he had with anyone was not verbal in any way. It was just that someone would come daily and deliver food and then take a photograph. So it's yeah. really and extreme. You might ask yourself, why Why do that? What Do you think it's mainly for his own personal experience or do you think it's to, to communicate something about life? Well, he, I mean, he did have it once or twice a month. People could go and, like, view the piece from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. Hmm. So people knew about it. That's rough, man. It's kind of like, it reminds me of, there's this skateboarder, Jaws. I forget his real name, but that's his nickname. And he's well-known. He's from Arizona, right? I don't know, probably. He just jumps off stuff? Yeah, he just jumps yeah. off stuff. Yeah, he's from Arizona. <laughs> he just jumps huge sets of stairs once in a million he'll land it and the rest of the times he's like doing the splits or like smashing and crushing his ankles or whatever and it's like there's other people like rodney mullen or scott stevens who do like these dinky little skateboard tricks and they're just creative and like quirky and they make just yeah and they make just as much money off of their skateboarding as this guy who's jumping off of ledges. So it's kind of like you just choose your path in life. You're like <laughs> you choose what you're gonna jump. Yeah, from. <laughs> yeah. You choose. You're like you're like you choose. Like you know what? The way I'm gonna make it is just ultimate suffering. That's how I'm gonna make it in this world. You know, and that's kind of like what Jaws chose, and that's what this guy. I don't, I don't remember how to say his name. Uh, Sam. Dai Ching. Sam. 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 Let's Jaws. just call him Sam. <laughs> Sam the man. Another piece is called the rope piece, and it's where for one year he was tied to another person by an eight-foot-long rope. So this was July 4th, 1983 to July 4th, 1984. Yeah, it's a, a year long. Another piece is where he, it was called the no art piece, where he did not create any art, he did not talk about art, he did not look at anything related to art, and did not read any books about art or enter an art museum or a gallery for a year. Another work of his was called The 13-Year Plan. Jake, do you remember what The 13-Year Plan was? Uh, he wasn't going to... He was going to make art, but he wouldn't show. Yeah, so he, really he spent 13 years making artwork, but he refused to show it to anyone. Um, <laughs> That's what I'm going to do if my artwork is like never is never shown <laughs> in galleries. Just be like, well, it's 
a performance piece where I actually don't want it to be. <laughs> it's just like all terrible art. He had another one where he spent a year outside, so he didn't go in any buildings or pretty much anything that wasn't the sky over his head. So no, tr- no modes of transportation. No cars, yeah. no tents, no planes, nothing. So he just like moved around New York City with a backpack and a sleeping like, bag. All like crass, like middle school drawings. <laughs> 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 and then the galleries expect something really cool, but it's just like drawings of, of butts and stuff like that. <laughs> and he had the time clock one, April 1980 to 81. Joe, do you remember about that one? Yeah. Because we, we don't know. None of his other stuff is about art he creates. So it's probably is pretty bad art, I'm just going to say. That's <laughs> 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 yeah, true. I don't yeah, know what that true. stuff is. <laughs> he like saves all of his worst art for that time period. Yeah. <laughs> What he did is, uh, okay, so the time clock piece. Yeah. What he did was he punched a time clock every hour on the hour. And each time he punched the clock, he took like a single picture of himself, which if you put all those images together. It's like a little film. Yeah, it made like a little like stop motion animation of an entire year in six minutes. So he shaved his head before the piece. And he also did, he also shaved his head with the rope one. Also, the, the woman that he did the rope piece with, they both shaved their heads. So he kind of uses that to show, like, passing time. Yeah, you can. that's how you can, like, measure how far along in the year it's been mm-hmm. in the documentation. Which I totally get that because at one point I shaved my head and I could, looking at pictures, I always knew when something was because <laughs> I'm watching my hair grow out. <laughs> it's a good way to do it. Yeah, so this guy, he didn't, he was not able to sleep for as long as an hour for an entire year. I can't believe oh that would make him go insane, I think. never get into, like, deep sleep. As he's kind of saying, it's a life sentence. Like, we have no choice. Mm-hmm. We are to exist every hour. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of, like, almost like this morbid idea that, like, for some reason uh, we we have no choice means that, like, almost like we wouldn't want it, hypothetically. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of like a really strange concept on its own. But yeah, really weird way to explore the passage of time. It's my favorite one is the time clock. Really? Why is that? It's just kind of terrifying. <laughs> I yeah, like it. I think it says the most, just like conceptually. Yeah, like, like Joe said, I think, think there's more that you can you know, like speculate on. Yeah, I like, I like it. Well, it's interesting because like if, you know, if you're staying in a room or a cage or something for a long period of time, you're, you probably almost get in the mindset where you just want time to pass and you like don't want to think about time. Mm-hmm. Like you don't want to be like, oh, it's only five minutes have gone by or whatever. But when you, with the, the time punch one, you can't just let time slip away. Yeah, you you are forced to, it's like if you were to, to walk. Accept yeah, if you it's like forced to accept it. It's you're forced to recognize it. Mm-hmm. It's like uh, if you were to walk across the United States or if you look at a mountain and you're like, wow, that's such a beautiful mountain. Uh, you know, you don't have the same experience that like a rock climber would have with that mountain. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing that that's what he has with time. He has this rock climber's view of time mm-hmm. where like he's able to actually grapple with it and understand each moment of it mm-hmm. as opposed to the rest of us where we, luckily we don't have to go through that necessarily unless mm-hmm. we feel the draw to understand it in that way, to, to conceptualize it in that way. Oh, something I was going to say, the piece, when you were talking about David Blaine mm-hmm. and Marina, mm-hmm. like, obviously, like, there's, like, a sense, like, oh, it's just off-brand, mm-hmm. and, like, the, that would probably be enough mm-hmm. for them not to do it, but 
it's also like David Blaine, it's well known that what he does is to deceive, right? And Marina's work is supposed to be the opposite. It's supposed to be completely true. You know, that's I don't, I don't totally agree because because David Blaine, though he, that's what was interesting is because David Blaine approaches things a lot of the same way, and that that there is an athletic part to it too. Listening to him talk about how he stayed underwater for so long, required so much training, and the way it was displayed was kind of like a performance piece. It was it was for everyone to see to come, and and it wasn't a quick illusion. It was something over time where he. You could see him physically transform, turning blue, and and he trained like staying in like a, it was like a like a pressure tent mm-hmm. that like, simulated like high altitude things like that. That's what was I felt like it was, like they actually had a lot in common. That um, it was just kind of he represented a different um, like he like he just had a different kind of just his branding was was more. I guess like little brow in a way, like yeah, know, like, like the people like who he reaches, yeah, are not are not the wealthy. Like, I felt, but like you see that, like even the way they're talking, it's like it's like they get, they felt like they got it, you know. And then there was like sharing those ideas. So that was what was funny is like, I felt like they were pretty close in in, in, that, in the same way too, though, because of that. Mm-hmm. Even and David Blaine being a magician uses that like ooh kind of <laughs> this like the hocus pocus stuff that you know your parents would be like, oh, stay away from him, you know. So that's what I thought was was really interesting yeah that. so i guess they definitely do have a lot of similarities even if at the end of the day they're they're uh labeled mm-hmm. in a way that i think is what hindered marina's association with him mm-hmm. you know, project so i think another person it's vital we mention is ule i'm not even going to try to say his full name he was born november 30th 1943 in germany and he's 75 years old right now he's that hippie looking dude who uh made marina cry when when he showed up at her performance oh her Mm -hmm. who did all the early stuff yeah yep they did night sea crossing which was a piece that lasted like six years like 1981 to 87 and they would sit facing one another for hours on end that's yeah. so cool. It reminds me of like a like that. I think Yoko Ono had a piece with John Lennon where they just like stayed, stayed in, bed. in bed all day. And Aww. it's just kind of like the idea that like the the mundane and the personal, you know, you just make it art, basically. Yeah. Because there's a lot of emotion there. It's it's real. Well, they were like protesting something. I think that. Yeah. So but... they Marina and Ule dated for many many years, and they they broke up. So. You know, there's the they so started sad. on they started on opposite ends of the Great Wall of China. This is where I come in. Yeah, <laughs> they were gonna. This is where you make your move. Yeah. They were gonna marry in the middle, but ago. instead they broke up. That's so sad, man. Oh like, gosh. Think about it. They probably had this planned out. It's kind of like when you ask someone out to prom in high school, and then you end up breaking up with them. But you're like, oh, I guess I still gotta go to prom with them. <laughs> Like, that's what it was like for them. They're like, okay, we still have to walk the wall, Great Wall of China together. They said, she said that, like, she slept around another artist, and then he did, and that was when she's like, oh, I can't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, they, they went from, like, being in love to, like, being enemies. There was a lawsuit where, like, Abramovic refused to allow Ule, how do you even say his name? I don't know. How is it? U- it's U-W- U-L-A-Y. I think it's just Ule. Ule? Oh, Ule. Oh. Yeah, so Abramovic refused to allow Ule to reproduce images of their works that they did, like, together. 
And in this book that he was writing. Whoa. Uh, yeah. And so he instead he just put pink squares in place of all the photographs oh that goodness. he wanted to use. Yeah. And so then there was like this whole lawsuit about well, Mar- their their work and yeah. he won the case in 2016. Yeah. Well, if you're wondering. Yeah, the oh, he won the case. That's <laughs> yeah. good. That's I'm glad. Awesome. <laughs> Props to Ule. And he still cried when he saw her. <laughs> yeah. Or she cried. Yeah, I don't know. They and both, they like held they hands them. when you know, because it was like a surprise at the. But like, museum. I think I think there's like a sense that when you're with someone that long and you really have given your all to them, there's there's always going to be a sense of like love and vulnerability that I think was still in. I was just joking, you know. Like in reality, breaking up after meeting in the middle like that is you know that on its own has you know such yeah. meaning and power to it anyways yeah. and that's why i like that piece too is a lot of people's reaction is like that's so sad <laughs> you know? yeah it's what makes it less art piece and more like your favorite tv episode and i like that a lot <laughs> like there's like more than than the act of them walking this far but yeah there's like this um like like soap opera aspect to it yeah, Marina has not, it. the way she treated Ule, for example, like, she has not necessarily has, she doesn't exactly have a good track record yeah. as far as uh, business goes. She accused Jay-Z of not paying her, even though, like, Jay-Z showed, like, all these receipts, because Jay-Z wanted to use one of her, he bought, like, basically the rights to one of her performance pieces to go in uh, a music video. Oh, interesting. Yeah. But anyway, Jay-Z's so, awesome, dude. He, I think he's cool. He's so, a business. Wait, I'm not a businessman. I'm a business man. Who sold drugs <laughs> to his mom. <laughs> Ule was uh, mainly a photographer, a Polaroid photographer. I don't know if you guys have seen some of his stuff. No, I haven't seen too much. I'll show you a couple. Oh, yeah, I have seen those. Photographs and then another That's couple. so, you mean like the sense of like duality and the sense of like uh, relationship between man and woman. You see a lot of the relationship of like the body giving itself meaning. I mm-hmm. think that still stays true in his photography. But like Marina has been pinholed into this performance art thing. When she has actually made other artworks as well, like she was just at like the Venice Biennale recently, and she she did some type of like design of a space, mm. and you know we don't we're not getting into all the the details of her work. We're just kind of talking about her mm-hmm. her legacy and her influences. So I'm not gonna get into too many of those other works of art or like projects that she's been in on. To say like her work is not art because it's basically like a satanic ritual is I think the thing is our our definition of art has been both kind of like narrowed and expanded in the contemporary era. In the contemporary era, if you were to define what art is, especially abstract performance, I think most ritualistic, uh, ancient rituals would, would fall under that category. There's one piece she did in 1995. It's called Cleaning the Mirror. And she sits down with a skeleton on top of her and there's a bucket of soapy water. The piece is just like five screens stacked on top of, of one another. And the screens focus on the five different parts of the skeleton's body, like the feet, the hands, the ribs, the pelvis, and the head. And then it just shows her like scrubbing these different parts of the skeleton. I mean, what you said, it's art. Yeah. The question is, do you is like it? it? Is, is it, it interesting? <laughs> is it interesting? Yeah. yeah. Do you like it, Jim? She's not my favorite, but um, it's just the style. It's just the, the, the communication style that she has. It's not my favorite, like, 
Chris Burden, I connect with a lot more because of that sense of humor in his work. Like, Duchamp is, in my eyes, completely intelligent and hilarious at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I really like that about what is now considered contemporary artwork. Maybe the more I'll look at Marina's work, the more I'll, I'll see those other textures in there, I'll see those other emotions in there. But at this moment, I'm, you know, it's great, but it's just, she wouldn't be my favorite because of those reasons. We talked a lot about her, and we talked a lot about her influences. There's plenty more. I think that'll do for today. We hope you've enjoyed listening to our conversation and stick with us to explore beyond the art world and into the realms of music, architecture, design, and film.